my youngest daughter, when she was in grade one, would put her head down on her desk after lunch every day. And I'd go in and volunteer. And I saw this and I said to the teacher, what's she doing? And, oh, she's been doing that every day for a couple of weeks now. And I took her to the doctor after asking her why. And she said, my tummy hurts. And the doctor simply said, all oh, little girls get tummy aches. And I'm like, okay, how long does this last? Oh, she'll grow out of it sometime. And I thought, well, that's not very helpful because she's not herself. She no longer wants to go on play date. She no longer wants to play soccer, her true love. She was just not functioning. And so I did a food sensitivity test as well after going to a naturopath to ask about that. Turns out she was highly intolerant to gluten as well as dairy. Mm. Removed that from her diet and I got my daughter back. Hello, blissful parents out there. I'm Michelle Abraham, your host here today. I am bringing you a really great guest today. I'm so excited to have her on. I met her a few months ago, and she is a wealth of knowledge for you guys. Oh, my goodness. And me and everybody out there. Oh, my gosh. Melissa Dealey, please uh, welcome her to the Blissful Family, Blissful Parenting Family. And I'm really excited to have you um, speak to us today. Melissa is an integrative health practitioner. She's all the way up in Whistler, BC, and she has a really interesting background where she was working in that corporate space. She went to Whistler for a ski season like everyone does, and 24 years later, still there. <laughs> so one of those, one of those. <laughs> I went for just a few years. I got out of there, but I, you know what? I missed it. It's just like such a cool lifestyle out there and such a beautiful place to live. So I understand why people stay. <laughs> and uh, Melissa, um, had a great experience in the corporate world and then all of a sudden one day just like out of that just into a new career and she is uh, just dove deep into the health and wellness space and now she's an integrative health wellness practitioner um, and health coach and it's really great to um, just hear from Melissa all the cool things that she's learning and she's had some personal experiences in her family which we'll talk about and brought her into you know really learning about your brain health and about your brain and how it affects um, things you do in your life. And I'm so excited today to really, we're going to talk about um, how the food, does the food that we eat really affect our kids' behavior? And this is one of those things my brother and I debate about this. My brother-in-law and I debate about this all the time because he says no, I say yes. Let's see what Melissa says. So welcome, Melissa, to Blissful Parenting. Thanks so much, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. You're welcome. So excited to have you. So Melissa, tell us a little bit more about what you do with people, how you got into it. I kind of just briefly talked about how you got into the uh, wellness space, but I know it was because of your daughters and some of their experiences. So if you don't mind just touching on that, so bring us up to speed on how you really got interested in what you're doing. Sure. So yes, you're right. I was in the corporate world and then I was laid off when Big Fish bought Little Fish, given an hour to clear out my desk and bye-bye. Without even a thank you, I knew in that moment I wanted to work for myself and serve others, but I didn't know what, would, what it would be. And as always happens, I was guided and I found brain health supplementation. And I thought that was really cool because we have near epidemic rates of Alzheimer's and dementia. And it made me realize we've never been taught how to look after our brain. And yet we use it 24 seven. I started digging into this and my oldest daughter got a concussion. And then two months later, my second daughter got a concussion. And let me tell you, if you haven't experienced concussion in your household, it is hard. And I wasn't working, so I went to every appointment. 
And I really guided my girls on their healing journey through my own work. And this was my first foray into health and wellness. But the fascinating thing is, as we go through this interview a little bit more, I have some share some stories to share from back when my girls were even younger, that with 2020 hindsight, I realized I've been on this path a lot longer than I even knew. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way, right? There's clues that you just didn't see at the time, but looking back, oh yeah, they're there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. I love that you work with families and that you've had your own experience with your girls' concussions and, you know, what's really um, inspired you to kind of continue down this path, working with families and working with kids, working with adults. And um, why the brain? Like, what was so fascinating about the brain to you? I'm curious to know. Well, it was just literally that, well, first of all, my grandmother lived to be 101. And about the time that I found the brain health supplementation, she was about 98. And I always had said, I want to be just like her when I grow up. I have a lot to do on this earth. I want to live to be 100, 101. And she was fully cognitively um, functioning right to the end. But so many people suffer for the last 10, 15 years of their life or longer. What was the difference between her and what is the difference between me? She was raised in rural Christchurch, New Zealand, Mm -hmm. growing all of her food in the backyard. I was raised in Japan in the 70s in a highly toxic environment. So I'm thinking I'm already behind the eight ball to what she had in her formative years versus what I had in my formative years. Mm -hmm. And what can I do about that? And that's what intrigued me. And I started doing all of this research. And as I started researching the brain for my girls' concussions and realizing we're not taught this through school, we're not taught this through public health. And it's so important to our life to understand how our body functions and be empowered in our health. And I started to learn that our gut is our second brain and that there's this gut brain connection through the vagus nerve, which wanders from our brain stem down to our gut, passing other organs along the way. And that our nerve, our digestive system has more neurons lining it than our brain. And I had no idea of any of this because I was just busy in the corporate world doing my thing, raising my family, raising my kids, right? And these were big aha moments for me because the more I put the pieces together, I realized that when the gut doesn't feel good, the brain isn't functioning properly and vice versa. And as I helped my kids heal, I brought nutrition to the healing of the brain, because everybody else was looking at the brain, the physios, the Reiki practitioners, acupuncture, all really great practitioners, but the nutritional piece was missing. And that's what I brought in. And the great news is they both recovered fully. But I also realized what do other people do that don't have a mother that's out of work that can cancel everything to help Mm -hmm. guide that journey when their brain isn't functioning properly, right? And that's what got me into the path of helping others. But I wasn't certified in anything. So I went back to school and became a health coach, which led me to further education. So after the, la- after the past three years, I've been in school and um, now have completed my integrative health practitioner training, which really helps me help people get to the root cause of what they're struggling with, remove toxicities, support deficiencies, and get them their body back into balance so that it can heal. Mm, I love that big, big piece of that is looking at what's going on inside the gut. 
Mm, yeah, I love that. And I've heard that expression before that your gut is your second brain and how true is that? It's really fascinating when you start looking into like just all the toxins that we store in our intestines. And um, my son, uh, our family journey was with nutrition. My son was about two or three and he was having some really explosive behavior that was really strange. And we did do a food test and it turned out that he had some major um, intolerances. And so um, it's interesting to, for me to see um, the behavior changes in him over the last few years from removing wheat from his diet and also staying away from anything that was colored blue, red, or yellow. <laughs> Cause I knew to notice as soon as you'd have like a blue phrase, I was like, what's happening here? Or a red velvet cupcake. I was like, Oh my goodness. So it's amazing that I've seen those firsthand experiences, but for those parents that maybe haven't experienced that with their kids, what is what's happening there? What's what's, what are some things that you can, uh, what are maybe some uh, things that we could look for if we don't know anything's out of balance. Sometimes there's no other symptoms, like you didn't have diarrhea or you didn't have wasn't stomach issues or, any, you know, any eczema or anything. So what are some signs that parents can look for? It's not necessarily signs that I want parents looking for. Sometimes we can um, look for things that aren't there when we take that route. <laughs> Determined there's something <laughs> wrong with my kid. <laughs> exactly. But if you are seeing signs of, you know, behavior, whether it be, you know, overactive and not able to focus and sit still, etc. for the age appropriate amount of time, mm -hmm. or, you know, extra loud and attention grabbing, or just, you know, getting on that, you see the frustration levels that unable to control their emotions and behavior Big for age-appropriateness, age <laughs> right? And people, parents see this because you see your own child, but then you also see how other people's children are behaving, right? Mm -hmm. And I, so I don't want people looking for things that aren't there, but if you're already wondering, mm -hmm. then that's when do start looking for what could be the trigger, right? And what I get frustrated with is when parents take their child to the doctor, and they end up with a diagnosis of like ADD or ADHD and get put on a pharmaceutical drug. Yeah. I want to let everybody here know that before you choose to start the pharmaceutical drug, get another opinion, look at a holistic alternative, because very, very often these types of behaviors or inability to control emotion, et cetera, are the result of an imbalance in the gut which is triggering the brain to respond the way that it is. Mm -hmm. There are nine messages from the gut for every message from the brain down wow. to the gut. <laughs> so I used to think that our brain was in charge, but yeah. I now believe that the gut is the command center and then the brain is the operation center that makes it happen. Mm. And so when we figure out what's going on in the gut, and we can absolutely do that through testing, like you suggested, there's food sensitivity testing, but there's also some other tests that I can run for people. So there's a stool test that we can do, and there's also a urine test that we can do, and they all give us great information about what's going on inside the gut where we can't mm -hmm. see. And once we know that, we can provide a personalized wellness program for your child using all herbal supplements and holistic approach to help them uh, bring that gut back into balance. It could be they have a parasite. It could be yeast overgrowth. It could be bacterial overgrowth. 
there's so many things that could be going on inside their gut that we just don't know. But when we clean it up, then as your experience was, your son's behavior improved. Mm-hmm. And I've had that same experience with my both my kids at different times. My youngest daughter, when she was in grade one, would put her head down on her desk after lunch every day. And I'd go in and volunteer. And I saw this and I said to the teacher, what's she doing? And, oh, she's been doing that every day for a couple of weeks now. And I took her to the doctor after asking her why. And she said, my tummy hurts. And the doctor simply said, oh, little girls get tummy aches. I'm like, okay, how long does this last? Oh, she'll grow out of it sometime. And I thought, well, that's not very helpful because she's not herself. She no longer wants to go on play date. She no longer wants to play soccer, her true love. She was just not functioning. And so I did a food sensitivity test as well after going to a naturopath to ask about that. Turns out she was highly intolerant to gluten as well as dairy. Remove that from her diet, and I got my daughter back, my happy, you know, socializing, life loving daughter. And the naturopath wanted to run an ultrasound just to make sure, but couldn't order it herself. So I had to go take her back to the doctor to get that. And I told the doctor how removing these foods had made such a difference, and I had my happy child back. And the doctor's response was, Oh, there's no science in that. Mm. And I said, Yeah, there is. She's standing right next to me. Yeah. And Unfortunately, mainstream medical isn't taught any of this side of holistic health. So they just yeah. don't know and too actually, often discredit it. Yeah. And I heard actually uh, when I was in nutrition school, and that's a passion that we share is in the nutrition side of things is that um, doctors, medical doctors, we have three weeks worth of nutrition in their entire doctor uh, doctor like degree. And I thought that was like mind blowing that, you know, no wonder they don't know is because they're not, they don't get that education. They're so focused on the, the fix, like the, the fixing of things rather than the, the root causes, which is, which is exactly. <laughs> and it's not fixing what they're focused on is removing the pain, mm-hmm. which is masking. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's masking it, but it's not actually healing. And so Young children that are put on Ritalin, okay, it's masking the behavior, but it's not fixing the gut. And so then those poor kids are on this drug, strong drug for many, many years. And that actually destroys the gut further in the process. So by the time they're an adult or even a teenager, they could have leaky gut and all sorts of other compounding issues. Mm -hmm. And the doctor gives them another drug for that. And then another drug for that. When all we really need to do is look at what's going on inside the gut and allow the gut to heal and come back into balance. Hmm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've and I love that how you can you actually can do some of those testings where a lot of like obviously medical doctors these some of these tests they don't they don't run and they're not going to send you to to find out these things. So it's great that you have the ability to do that. Absolutely. And the other great thing about that, especially during COVID, is that my business is 100% virtual. So I work with clients over Zoom just like this. But I also, all of these labs are ordered online from my website. And you do them in the comfort of your own home and simply ship them back to the lab. I get the results and then I review them with you and give you that wellness protocol that your Mm -hmm. child needs in order to be at their very best. And the other really interesting thing that most people don't realize is that our microbiome is as individual as our fingerprints. Mm -hmm. And it comes down four generations on the mother's side. So what we eat 
is incredibly individualized. And yet for convenience sake, myself included, wanted to put the same food on the table for all four of us Mm. every night. And my child was telling me she didn't want to eat it. But I just thought she was being a picky eater and being difficult. And so I wasn't listening. But children innately know what they can eat and can't eat. It's just Mm -hmm. we adults tend not to listen or we think they're being difficult. And so even after the case of finding out that my daughter was gluten and dairy intolerant, at that time, this was in about 2007, I didn't know what to feed her for breakfast. (laughs) And I had to get to work and I had to get her out the door. I gave her eggs every day for a month. And we went back and did a retest. And she complained the whole time. I don't want another egg. I don't want another egg. And I'm like, I don't know what else to feed you that isn't dairy and gluten, right? And we go for another test. And guess what? She's highly intolerant to eggs. And so that was a real wake up call for me that I have to listen to my child and what they're saying. And I know it can be tricky because children can play that game with you, Mm -hmm. but they do know if we let them voice how food makes them feel. Yeah. So is that a norm in your family where you cook different things for everybody in in the family? Because that is the norm in my family. I'm just, I'm surprised to hear that that's, that could be the norm somewhere else. Oh, absolutely. Because for me, for my own gut health and migraines that I was coping with, I no longer eat red meat and I do so much better without it. But my husband and uh, one of my daughters really enjoy red meat. I tried to give up chicken and fish myself as well and just become vegetarian, but it became too hard to make three different meals, one for my gluten-free, dairy-free child, and one for me being vegetarian, and then another one for my other two that wanted meat and potatoes, right? (laughs) We have the same family dynamics, we do. (laughs) And so I decided I was okay eating fish and I was okay eating chicken, but I really didn't do red meat. And so I haven't eaten red meat in about 12 or 13 years now Mm -hmm. and do so much better without it. But yes, we do have slightly different meals on the dinner table or lunch and breakfast. And my kids are older now. So mm-hmm. um, I might say in the morning, I'm making this. I can you know, cook up extra chicken, but you don't want it with this. You want to do something else with it. It's there for you. And we kind of do it that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that can be difficult when kids are young and you're a working mom and trying to prepare all these meals. Mm-hmm. But what I found really worked for me is on the weekend, I would make a few different meals ahead of time and freeze them and then there was meals for the week and everybody could have what worked for them and we'd have some leftovers. That's a really good point. Yeah. I love that. Now a quick question. I mean, we've, uh, this has been a bit of a tricky thing. I think is the birthday parties and the going to other people's houses and then like the snack thing, especially if when there's intolerances to, you know, anything from dairy to nuts to wheat to whatever it is, how do you navigate that as a parent? (laughs) And you're right, that is a tricky thing. And it really depends on the age of the child as well. Mm -hmm. So with my children, because I had one that was um, yeast and sugar intolerant, and one, and again, we figured it out through food sensitivity testing. And the first symptoms that came up, just in case parents are wondering, is the teacher told me that she was no longer focusing in the classroom and that her handwriting in grade two was deteriorating quite rapidly. And so that was an interesting sign that the food intolerances brought that out. We took her off yeast and sugar and then that resolved that issue. But going to a birthday party, she was in grade two. She wanted to have what the other kids were eating. So I started baking um, cupcakes from 
she could have spelt flour. So from spelt flour, and I would decorate them, and she liked them. And when she went to her birthday party, she would take her own cupcake to eat. Mm -hmm. And I had her buy-in for that. We did that together, and she was okay with that. I found um, chocolate, you know, dark chocolate that has much less sugar in it. So as a treat, that would be something that she could have instead of some other candy Mm -hmm. full of sugar that was going. Um, A pizza day at school was a tough one. Mm-hmm. And our local Boston pizza owner was a friend of mine and she was amazing. And she found a dough that was yeast free mm-hmm. so that um, she could have uh, pizza at school like everyone else. So it does take a little bit of creativity. Yeah. It does take a little bit of work, but when you find it, it works and they feel so much better mm-hmm. that they're willing to eat this food that makes them feel good instead of eating the food that makes them feel bad. But they just need your help in figuring out what that is and making it available for them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think for us too, it was like making it not be like, you can't have this when everyone else can. It's like, no, you can't have it. It's just like you're choosing not to because it doesn't make you feel good. I think that was really an important thing. Luckily, my son was, I think, three when we um, finally got him off of the weed and he's eight now and he's pretty self-controlled now. Um, Mm -hmm. Although now he's wanting to like, you know, experiment a little bit. And so that's why I thought it's a great time to get some retesting done to see if he's still, because I've seen the, um, the difference in him. I mean, he's got such a, um, such a calmer presence. Um, I mean, it could be because of his age too. So it's just interesting to see the difference in um, the couple of years that made. And boy, I'm glad we did that when we were young, because I think it's harder to take away something now (laughs) and reintroduce something, uh, uh, you know, than it, yeah a little bit trickier as they get older. <laughs> Definitely. And I would agree it was harder with my older daughter than it was my younger daughter because I had a little bit more control and she had a little mm-hmm. bit less say the younger they are. Right. But I love what you say, because I say this to adults that I work with as well. It becomes a choice, mm-hmm. right? You know how certain foods make you feel and you don't like it. So you get to choose other foods that don't make you feel that way. So instead of being about denial, which then triggers mm-hmm. cravings yeah. in the brain, right? It can be about making a choice. And a really great analogy that I love using is, for instance, my choice to be vegetarian. It was my choice. I don't go around saying, I don't get to eat red meat, <laughs> right? I chose to be vegetarian. I choose to eat this way. So when we make a choice to eat the foods that make mm-hmm. us feel good, we don't complain about what we don't get to eat. Yeah. And so what you're teaching your son is awesome. And that's why he can be so self-controlled now. And it is a great time to retest because when we clean up that gut, mm-hmm. the gut can actually tolerate a lot more. And so over this time, if his gut's cleaned up, he may be able to reintroduce some of those things. Mm-hmm. He's not going to eat them three times a day, seven days a week. No. But maybe, <laughs> maybe he can tolerate it once a week right? Yeah. Or maybe you can have the birthday cake at the birthday parties or something. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And as long as it's not four birthday parties in a weekend, his body can probably cope with it. And then he starts getting really in tune with his body as well, because Mm -hmm. when he starts to not feel good after eating it, then that's a clue that maybe his gut needs a little bit of cleanup work again. Yeah. It's interesting. We had a, it it was funny this week we went uh, to, we, we went on away for a couple of days. And while we were away, 
there was not as many good gluten-free options or wheat-free options for him as normal. So he ate quite a few things that he wouldn't normally have been able to eat. And he, yesterday he was like, look at my tummy, mommy. It's like, it's sticking way out, way more than normal. And it's hard. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm glad he's starting to notice it. It's really cool to see him paying attention to exactly. it, especially as a boy. Like he's not, you know, it's not something he's probably really be in tune with uh, as a seven, twenty-eight year old. But it's nice to see that he's in tune with it now. A hundred percent. And you know what? All of us, even adults, again with my coaching, I'm teaching people to get back in tune with their body because we're so tuned out in this busy, stressed out, you know, work, work, world, crazy world, right? And as well as a belief that if I get sick, I'll just go to the doctor. But really, we are our own best doctor. So when we tune into our body, we start to be able to understand what's going on and what's happened. And so in his case, look at my tummy. It's all bloated and sticking out and hard. Well, that's a massive sign that his digestive system is struggling based on the food that he just ate over the last three days, right? (laughs) And the thing that's really important with doing the food sensitivity testing is that very often when it's an intolerance, you don't have the symptom for anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. Mm -hmm. And 72 hours later, you tend to have forgotten what you ate, right? So you might not know what it was unless you're being really meticulous and keeping a food diary, Mm -hmm. or we do the testing to see, okay, what is it? And then create a wellness plan from there. And it doesn't mean you can't eat it forever. It just means let's clean up the gut for now, get it back into balance, and then we reintroduce and see how you do. Yeah. So is this a great idea? And we'll switch to you, like just as like maybe like an annual checkup for people, or is this something you do like every couple of years? Or like, how do you suggest parents, like, you know, we're not going to go and try to look for issues, right. but if there seem to be humming along okay, um, is this a good idea to still do something like this? Or what's your advice on that? Well, I would love to say, yes, it's a great idea to do it from a proactive perspective on health, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. For people that have symptoms, it's, it's a must do before accepting any pharmaceutical drugs Mm -hmm. for sure. And then we, you know, depending on the results and how um, many things there are intolerances to would determine how soon we retest. So for somebody that's doing it proactively, that just wants to know, you could do it now, see how you're doing. Maybe you don't need to do it again for two years. But for somebody that's struggling, you might test now, you might test in three months, and you might test six months after that. So it really depends what's going on with those symptoms and the severity of them as we work through the wellness protocol. Hmm, That's a great, uh, great, great, um, great picture that you painted there for proactive health and how important that is like so much greater, like, especially when so many people are being diagnosed with cancer and all sorts of horrible autoimmune issues right now that if we just paid attention to our gut and actually checked in on it and seen like we could have prevent a lot of these things like way further you know, way way ahead of when they actually occur, right? A hundred percent. And again, autoimmune issues start in the gut very often with what we call leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And children can have this. It's when that very thin cell membrane of our intestinal wall gets holes in it and little tiny bits of food get into our bloodstream or antibiotics or yeast or bacteria or toxins. And then that causes our immune system to turn on because it's going, whoa, what's this? 
-hmm. And left unchecked results in autoimmune disease, which is why we have so many of those diseases today. So I love to say one of my favorite sayings is, listen when your body whispers to you so it doesn't have to yell. (laughs) Catch those first symptoms and act on them and do something. It doesn't have to make things keep getting worse until finally you like can't get out of bed because you've been ignoring all of these symptoms and your body's just going, okay, I'm going to stop you until you (laughs) (laughs) do something. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's great. So before we let you go, Melissa, we're heading into a new school year uh, as we're recording this. And I'd love to just get any last bit of advice for parents as we're navigating the grocery stores and the aisles and shopping the perimeter, not the high end of each aisle, right? And uh, what is some advice that you can give to parents that when we're looking at school lunches and snacks and things like that? Well, I would definitely be reading labels. They're in so many packaged foods. It's processed. It's loaded with chemical toxins and sugar. So if you're navigating the aisles, I love to tell people to shop the perimeter of the grocery store, which is where you get your whole food, your plants, your you know good quality animal meats, et cetera, et cetera, and stop shopping in the middle. Even though that's what the kids want, they want it because they know it's laden with sugar and salt to keep them wanting more. Um, and again, if you can, preparing snacks ahead of time so that it just makes it easier for you in the morning and you're not as prone to just grabbing something. Like even making homemade granola bars is really quite easy if you uh, can do that ahead of time. And the other thing that I want to say as kids head back to school is don't panic. You know, it's, it is scary. We're in this time that we don't know what's happening through this pandemic, but, you know, having kids wash their hands with regular soap and water is actually way better than using antibacterial soap. Trying to be too clean is actually damaging our gut. That antibacterial soap is killing off the good bacteria in our gut wash your dishes in uh, in the sink with soap and water as opposed to in the dishwasher, which again is killing off too much. When we wash in the sink, we're sharing the germs from the people in our household. And that actually strengthens each of our individual guts because we're introducing a broader variety of bacteria. Good sleep is super important for kids in boosting their immune system, taking devices away and out of their bedrooms. Lots of outside time, lots of sunshine. The sun is so powerful in healing in and of itself. So some of those basic things, aside from removing sugar and staying away from processed foods, will really help kids be able to stay healthy in the classroom. Awesome. And focus probably better too. And exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's funny going from a kid that was very, very like high energy to like hearing from his teachers the last few years of how like calm and like how, what a great, like gentle child. I was like, why would I go to <laughs> You know, so I think it's just the power and like what he's ingesting is so amazing. And so it's, it's such a gift that we were given to experience this so early on with him. Yes. Now with my daughter going into school too something to look forward to. And so Melissa, where can our um, parents reach out and talk to you more if they have specific questions and specific issues? Where can we find more about your um, testing and stuff like that? So my website is simply betterbrainhealth.info. 
at the very top of it is a tab that's work with me for a complimentary 15 minute session. If somebody just wants to reach out and say, Hey, can you help me with this? This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if we, uh, at that time, I can let them know about testing that would be relevant Mm -hmm. for what's going on for their child, et cetera. I'm on Facebook as better brain health coach. I'm on Instagram as better brain health. I'm on LinkedIn as myself, Melissa Dealey. And um, yeah, I welcome people to reach out because we can help our kids heal in a really holistic way. And there's just too many children on drugs these days that don't need to be. And so I invite you to look at all the options before choosing what is right for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for spending this time with you. Blissful parents out there. Oh my gosh, reach out to Melissa. She's a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge. She knows what she's talking about. She's had personal experience with it all and is such a light in helping us kind of figure out and navigate the, some of the horrible things and chemicals they're putting into our food these days and our poor kids that are ingesting it. So um, until next time, blissful parents, be blissful. And I look forward to seeing you next Friday, same time, same place, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here in our Blissful Parenting Facebook group. Until next time, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.